Hi, I'm Ayelet Marinovich. Welcome back to Strength in Words, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. In this podcast series, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, outline some insight about early development, and talk about life as a parent or caregiver in these early years of parenthood. Strength in Words is the place for families to help their infants and toddlers learn and develop through high-quality, evidence-based resources and through connections to other parents and professionals. This podcast was recorded with a live virtual audience and followed by a question-and-answer workshop with our guest. To be part of the next live workshop and to connect with a community of support, you can join the Strength in Words Community Lab by heading to community.strengthinwords.com. I am a mother of two young children and a pediatric speech-language pathologist. I specialize and work with very young children, and when I had my own babies, I fully recognized the need to empower all parents and caregivers with access to enriching information about all things early parenthood and early childhood. The mission of Strength in Words is to share that information by offering parent education programming and to promote caregiver-baby interaction by offering a supportive, uplifting space for all families to connect and learn through information, access to new ideas, and access to each other. All suggested activities are meant to be enjoyed by your baby under close adult supervision. For a more complete story of Strength in Words, please listen to my introduction episode or visit the website strengthinwords.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll take just a moment of your time to leave a review on iTunes. This allows us to reach more families and share our values of education, simplicity, and respect when it comes to early learning and early parenthood. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to Ayalet, hello to the singers, hello, 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 hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name, hello to your name, hello, 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 hello everybody, hello everybody, hello, hello, hello. Today we are speaking with Julieta Skoog, a school psychologist turned parent educator. Let's give her a special welcome. Hello, Julieta. Hello, Julieta. Hello, 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 hello. Hello to all our new friends. Hello, all our old friends. Hello, hello, hello. One last time. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here. Welcome to episode 61 of the Strength in Words podcast. Today I am speaking with Julieta Skoog. Julieta is a certified positive discipline advanced trainer with an EdS degree in school psychology and a master's degree in school counseling from Seattle University. As a school psychologist and counselor with Seattle Public Schools since 2005, Her trauma-informed expertise includes early child development, autism, learning disabilities, anxiety, and behavior disorders, as well as leading friendship groups, classroom lessons, parent education, and teacher trainings based on positive discipline, social thinking, and mindfulness. 
Her popular keynote speeches, classes, and workshops in Seattle have been described as rejuvenating, motivating, and inspiring, which is why she's here today. She co-founded Sproutable in 2016 for parents of children birth to five who need support and tools to navigate the early years while growing remarkable kids. Sproutable recently launched their online positive discipline series for toddlers and preschoolers with videos under five minutes that show these tools in action. Julieta has learned the most from her own three daughters, ages nine, six, and 11 months. Julieta, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Strength in Words. I'm so happy to be here. This is like the best way to spend a morning. Is <laughs> I'm so happy to hear it. Um, obviously, Julieta, you and I have a lot in common, which is why uh, you're here today and why we've connected in the first place. So let's talk a little bit about that. I've asked you, of course, to come onto the show today to speak about positive discipline and the role it plays in relation to brain development. But first, let's just hear a little bit about you. What brought you to the kind of work that you're doing today and why you're so passionate about it? Yeah, you know, like you read, I mean, I started as a school psychologist and school counselor. I've always loved kids. I've always known just since I was one of those who used to babysit everybody in the neighborhood and <laughs> had babysat for as long as I could remember. So I've always worked with kids. And then as a school psychologist and counselor in the schools, doing a lot of the clinical work and evaluations, I kept getting younger and younger and younger because I was so passionate about early intervention and felt that I was the most helpful in the way that I could help educate parents as well. Yeah. So not just doing the diagnosing, but how can I actually make a difference at home outside of school? So that led me to all the positive discipline training and doing all of the parent education that I've been doing over the last you know many years. And just, it's so reinforcing when parents are like, oh my gosh, it just made such a difference. Like our whole family has been changed. Yeah. Or I just wish I had you on my shoulder all the time. <laughs> so I just felt most helpful when I was educating the parents. And then also as I grew my clinical expertise younger and younger, so that really finding the early intervention being the most successful. Yeah. Right. So really it was selfishly, you know, I felt like I could, I could do more, <laughs> the more the earlier we could intervene. Well, and we know so much about, I mean, research wise, that is of course, when parents and caregivers have information from way early on, we can make the most difference then going forward. So let's see, tell us what is positive discipline as it relates to those infants and toddlers. Can you clarify also for our listeners who might be wondering, you know, what's the difference between positive parenting and positive discipline? Yeah, I mean, it's all the same, right? I mean, I think the misnomer is that they just, it just implies you just need to be positive and happy and then your kids are going to totally comply and everybody's going to be lovely and there's going to be no challenges anymore. There's going to be no behaviors. They think if you just are positive and they're friends and suddenly everybody is calm and happy all the time. Right. So to me, you know, the, the, what I try to teach is that positive discipline really is about being connected. Mm -hmm. The positive part is about being connected and intentional and the discipline part means to teach. So it really, especially in infants and toddlers, it's about teaching those skills early on, being intentional about what we want them to be when they're 25. So having that long-term road, that to me is like the difference with positive discipline versus some of the other 
styles of parenting is that we keep those long-term skills in mind Mm -hmm. and we think about, okay, when they're 25, we want them to be resilient or responsible, independent or happy, confident. So what language are we going to use with them now? What skills are we going to teach now so that we can start to grow those seeds and help to build that brain that is more integrated by the time they're 25? How Mm -hmm. do we um, help build that that brain to be the best they can be when they're when when they grow and they've got to start now, right? All of those right. neurons need to start now. So it really is about positive discipline is about that language that we use with them, and then that trusted relationship in terms of consistency and intention. So you know, even with my own little baby, my eleven month old, it's how I'm playing with her, how I'm approaching her nap that I just put her down for, how I'm approaching her meals, and how those interactions are with her sister how I help facilitate those. Mm -hmm. So, you know, positive discipline with infants and toddlers are about, it's about that encouragement versus praise. Just from that moment that she was born, it's actually this amazing, you know, like the video and the audio when our children are born and from this baby number three, the first words that came out of my mouth was, you did it, you're here. (laughs) Like, it's like already I'm encouraging, like, you can do this. So as opposed to the praise of like, good girl, you know, so even as early as our language starts to shift that. And then this real, I think as we'll talk more about the developmental science, but this idea of connection before correction. So Mm. with our littles, and again, even with the babies and the toddlers that we are connecting to them, we're connecting to that right brain leading them over to their more logical left brain. So we're just always building in that connection part first um, before correction. And then the correction part, again, is around what are we teaching? How do we teach those skills? And then this idea of capability. So just their differentiating in those early years between needs and wants. And then, again, just teaching those skills. So reframing just stopping the behavior, but about giving them those learning opportunities to grow their brain. So that, to me, is positive discipline and that infant toddler. Yes, it makes so much sense. And I love how your example of literally when she came out, you're... You did it! Yay! The funnier part, I will say, is the doctor who was delivering her is amazing. She goes, she said at one point, I was like, you got this? I believe in you. And she was like, are you talking to me? And I was like, yes, I am. You were talking to your doctor. Natural. You know, it's it's actually, I tell my my the parents that I work with, it's actually like a fluency of language. So when you're learning a new language. It takes, in the beginning, a while. It can take a few years before it becomes fluent and automatic. So start it the first day so that you've got it when you really need it, when they're yeah. five and six and seven and eight and 10 and 14. Right. And I love that this is how we make those great kids. This is how we make good humans. So I want to talk more about that because, of course, that is why we are all here, right? As parents, we want to have a little bit of that backing to make us feel like we're not just screwing it up. Because I think for all of us, we all feel that way either every once in a while or every day. <laughs> and depending on the season of parenting, it is hard. So obviously we want those tools to know, to help us feel validated in what we're doing and why what we're doing is quote unquote right thing to do. And of course, there is no such thing as the right way to parent, but I want to hear a little bit about the developmental science behind some of these positive discipline techniques and strategies 
with regard to cognitive development and social and emotional development. Can you talk a little bit about that for us, Julieta? I can. And yeah, and I appreciate, you know, the the difference also with positive discipline is that it doesn't say this is the right way to do it. It says, what is important for you? What values, what compass do you want as a family for when they're 25? Mm -hmm. And then that creates your roadmap. And then having the developmental science behind it and the research to back you up on that gives you that confidence to just relax into it and be into your own, you know, integrated brain so that you can be creative and mindful and in the moment and not be in your fight or flight part of the brain just reacting, which, you know, often happens. That's okay too. But the more that we practice that other part. So I think for me, these early years, the, the brain science that Dan Siegel has brought to us, just the neuroscience around just the integrated brain. So again, this understanding of executive functioning and the prefrontal cortex in our children is not yet wired until really they're 25. So all of these ways that we, so let me put it this way. The techniques that we've been talking about in positive discipline is now reinforced by this brain science. So when we think about something as simple as routines, Mm -hmm. why do we want to set up routines as early as possible? Why do we want to have them visual? Why do we practice them with our kids? Why don't they get it the first time? I told them to wash their hands a thousand times after that, you know, all those things like, why is that? Why do we need to do it? Why can't we just let it go or just have a couple of days where we just can be relaxed or relax on the weekends and then why do they melt down on Sunday night? You know, the understanding of the brain science behind that is really fascinating. So what he talks about is the brain in the palm of the hand and this fight or flight response in our oldest part of the brain. And so the more that we can help our kids stay in that prefrontal cortex, builds their executive functioning. And then there's lots of research coming out of Harvard. The Center for Developing Children at Harvard is a great resource as well. And so they reinforce that as well in some of their papers about how how the executive functioning skills can be developed through establishing routines, by modeling social behavior, creating and maintaining these supportive and reliable relationships, and, you know, helps every time that we're connecting in that way, then I'm going to use this, and people can see me here, so I'm going to show this model that uh, Dr. Siegel uses, that we can bring our brain back to this integrated prefrontal cortex, and then that builds the executive functioning skills. Now, in our little ones, Mm -hmm. they need all the practice that they can get with that because that creates those neurological loops. So I almost think of it as like tightening the lid. And when they are in that part of the brain, it's going to manifest in a lot of different ways. They're going to be able to hold themselves back, not be so impulsive. They're going to be able to have better delayed gratification. They're going to be able to plan and organize and get creative and, you know, it just kind of manifests in a lot of other different ways. So I think that's been the exciting research. First of all, is just our understanding about executive functioning development, prefrontal cortex, just growth in general, mm-hmm. right and left brain peaks and valleys. Like I always knew from working with kids that the four-year-olds were just so tough. Mm -hmm. like started out tough at two but then got harder and harder and now I understand oh it's because that right brain is starting to develop more at three and then it peaks at four you know no wonder and so as a parent even with my own I was able to relax when she was like losing her mind instead of saying what's wrong with you I was like oh she's hit her new developmental peak yay you know it's like (laughs) new milestone it's like teething right right that's been really helpful. And then the other interesting, the just two other points I'll touch on briefly is Dr. Lieberman is a psychologist who talks about the research where the same part of the brain that experiences verbal abuse is the same part of the brain that experiences physical pain. Mm. So I think that has been really like eye-opening for a lot of parenting implications when it moved 
away from in the 80s, more of a physical style of parenting to really it ended up just being more verbal. They just transferred that thinking to being more verbal. And I think now we understand that, you know, the connecting and, you know, making their brain feel safe is is important. Not only because then we're going to get the behavior that we're asking for and that we're looking for, but it's just as damaging as you would for physical punishment. And then the other part that I, the last point just in terms of development, I think is that, you know, our little ones are wired actually for focus and for independent, like they really are wired to do it themselves and figure it out. And in this day and age, I think of parenting, we're late or we're busy. And so we're throwing their pants on for them or, or taking them away from that one activity when they're actually naturally wired developmentally to just be into something, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we get frustrated when we're like, Oh, they're not listening to us or they won't just do it faster. So I think that parenting implication for me has been just to allow them more space for those adaptive skill development to Mm -hmm. give themselves to feed themselves to for toileting for all those kinds of actions, gross motor development, fine motor development, you know, Mm -hmm. just allowing them the space and time to do that because they are wired for that. Yeah. I think it's really important what you just said, that connection piece for families, because I think we do, like you said, we get into that like mode of, okay, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, because we are so routines based that for instance, I can give an example from my life when on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, my four-year-old needs, we need to get out of the house, get to preschool at a certain time. It's the same you know, routine every single time, but he struggles with it every single time. And it's hard because for me, of course, I want him to be able to do it on his own. And over a period of like a week or two, I was like, oh my gosh, why can't he do this? It's the same thing every day. I know he's able to, what is wrong with him? Clearly it's not about him. It's about giving the space when we are able to, I realized, okay, I need to make actually a visual schedule for him. I need him to be able to see what the steps are that he can do. I need to put that in front of him. I need to give him the tools so that we all have the tools to get there so he can feel successful and get out the door when he needs to, how he needs to. So- understanding too that you're not there's nothing wrong like people think how can my like you are not alone you are right. not alone and all the babies, for them the routine is a practice and yeah. just like for me I can't be perfect with my making bed and getting hopping out of bed and you know every single morning either or like washing my face every night or whatever like I mean I'm lucky if I if I really let's just be honest I'm lucky if I get a shower but you know but it's not you but I think understanding some of the brain like when you are you know going through that little routine in the morning and you've got your visual also understanding when we ask a question versus just telling them what to do gets their brain back into that problem solving mode like where are your shoes or what do we, you know, what do we need to do before we get our coat on or what, you know? Yeah. And also how we say it, of course, well, come on, where are your shoes? Right. I mean, I've, we've all done that. We do that. We're human, but I think your connection, you know, understanding that that's just kind of where they are. And we expect them, I think, to be, have the same brains as us and just knowing it it is a practice as a, as a, instead of a perfection for us as parents and for them as children. Yes. And I think your connection between the fact that they need practice developmentally to acquire these skills. And these are skills. These are adaptive skills. These are fine motor skills. These are 
cognitive skills, right? Problem solving, sequencing, inferencing, all of those things are developmental skills. And like anything else in a three or four year old and in a one or two year old, we need to give them the tools of, of scaffolding, of helping them get to the next level so that they can be successful, which of course is a complete reframing for us as parents, especially as they get older and they are seemingly more independent. And they are, of course, in some ways and not in others. It is so hard. So Julieta, I really am excited about you giving us a few tips. But first, we're just going to take a break to hear a word from our sponsors. And then we're going to hear those tips and resources from Julieta about her favorite ways to help families get started with positive discipline. And then you know, additional resources she recommends to families interested in seeking out more. We weren't meant to parent in isolation. The Strength in Words Community Lab brings you peace of mind. You have what matters when you need it most. We are your parenting brain trust, the place where you can have adult conversations about your baby's babbling and where you're lifted up rather than bogged down. If you're a parent or caregiver with an infant and or toddler, we are both an early parent support and parent education hub. We're a group of families connected by this shared experience of early parenthood and strong believers in the notion that co-parenting in a positive, nurturing environment can make us each stronger. The Community Lab is an all-in-one resource that is not one-size-fits-all. Join us in finding joy in the mayhem at community.strengthandwords.com. Okay, Julieta, let's hear those tips. Share with us your top tips. I don't know how many you have. We'll take them all for families who'd like to start incorporating positive discipline into their parenting, whether it's from day one or from today. So definitely the connection before correction, I think is key. Even with my little infant, you know, as I'm going to wipe her down from her messy cereal, I just went right in and just rubbed her face right. and pulled her out of the high chair. She's pissed. Um, you know, <laughs> as much as I can have a little sweet smile and sing a little song, you know, that connection piece is just as important as it is with my older children and with my own mom or my, or my husband, you know? Mm. So that is, I think, just a nice reminder always is that connection before correction. The other thing is that, you know, kids are more capable than you think. And so Rudolf Dreikers was actually an Adlerian psychologist who wrote Children the Challenge that was kind of the foundation for mm. later positive discipline, that whole framework. And he said, never do for a child what they can do for themselves. In a vacuum, it would be great. I know we also have our regular life, but I think just, <laughs> just thinking about that, you know, kids are more capable than you think and kind of let go, like back off a little bit. That's been so much fun with my third now. I'm yeah. just like, oh, like, oh, totally there. It's so resilient. There's the people. Yeah, and I can relate to that. Time. It's so much easier the second time around to do that. Yeah. So, you know, I think that if you're just starting out, just that, like allow them to just try, just, you know, instead of being so hands-on, just back off and just watch them thrive and then come in. So, so raise the bar higher, I would say, because they're just way more capable than you think. The other thing that I would love that's a classic positive fun tool is family meetings. So if you can start this on day one with this last baby, we had one when she was four days old and it was just the sweetest thing. 
Um, so it doesn't matter if you're a family of two, if it's just you and your little one as a single parent, if it's you and your parenting partner want to start when you're pregnant. We started when my oldest was six months in her high chair. So just this idea of weekly coming together, having compliments, having that sense of encouragement for problem solving and having this beautiful exchange of language and communication and modeling. And so you can find more of family meetings. We do a lot of that, but it's scrabble. And I think that's a great, wonderful, wonderful, like many thing you can do 15 minutes once a week that just leads to those more long-term gifts that you want to be growing. So family meetings is great. It's not the family meetings that you grew up with. Right. Kids, we're having a family meeting. You're right. This is not a disciplinary <laughs> technique. Like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, Can you explain a little bit more? What does that look like? I know that you have so many resources on your website and we'll get to that. And it's just 15 minutes once a week. You get together. Everybody gives everybody a compliment. So even if you're a little infant and toddler or two-year-olds can barely talk, they can use sign language. They can say thank you. Or you give them the voice. You're saying thank you, Papa, for doing the laundry this week. You know, or thank you, Mom, for taking me to the park. So everybody gives everybody a compliment. And that's really a beautiful modeling too when you're seeing grownups speak to each other in this way. And then you talk about previous items from the week before. So our contributions going, how's the new nap time schedule going or whatever issue that came up. Last night, my daughter goes, I want to put something on the agenda. I was like, ooh, what? She goes, when you are done with, when the toilet paper roll is out, people need to change the toilet paper. I was like, that is a great item to put on the agenda. (laughs) So then you go to your new, your new items and then talk about your week and then close with a little high five and a a plan for a family fund. So this idea of connection and it's just, you know, the, the skills that are brought from just that little moment. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Communication, mutual respect problem solving, you know, it's just, it's just lovely. So, and we feel, we just feel better later. So then we're able to be better later. You know, we're able to then go off into our next routine, more mindful and more connected with them. The other, um, the last two tips I will say, one we touched on is routines. And I think you said it lovely, you know, thinking about routines, not just the bedtime routine or the nighttime routine, but routines happen all the time. So think about your day. Maybe it is your, you know, you're off to preschool in the morning, or maybe it's the transition to grandmother's house, that it's the same routine that they go from school to that, or the routine that's, we had a real routine right after lunch just to get to nap because Mm. there were so many steps involved in that. You know, kids need to have it sliced thinner and thinner and thinner. So just being explicit about what comes next. It doesn't have to look like Martha Stewart, but have a little visual for kids so that they <laughs> right, can thank you. Power, <laughs> you know, that they feel like, and they take ownership of that. Yeah. So you're saying, what's next in your routine? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do after this? What books are you picking up for your routine? You know, how are you going to get out of the bath tonight? So that it's not, you know, because I think a lot of times parents just do limited choices as their only tool all day long. And yeah. the kids have like choices coming out of their ears, you know, but when you just keep it within the routine, then you can sprinkle in the other techniques of asking versus telling or having those limited choices or having the fun little connection, but under that framework. So taking time for training is key and practicing and then shifting around. So I would really, I think that that is often most helpful for parents that I work with in a coaching setting when we just help refresh their routine. Sometimes we're stuck with the same one from when they were 18 months old and mm-hmm. now they're 22 months. They need a new one, you know? Yeah. So refresh your routines. And then the last piece I would say is this encouragement and growth mindset So as we talked about earlier, just changing your language to change their behavior. So 
using the language I notice. I notice you're so focused on that puzzle right now, or I, I see you're trying to pull your pants up, or you know, my little one that's just trying to walk. You're standing. I have no judgment. I'm not saying good girl. I'm not mm-hmm. none of that. It's just this like holding space for their effort and for their own intrinsic motivation and sense of self. Mm-hmm. So I think those are my, I would say, get that going. I wanted to say one more thing about routines. Yes, go ahead. As a depleted mom of three, that also having our, modeling our own routine. So having self-care as part of that or whatever that can look like. I think, you know, it's that modeling piece of, if we want them to have these long-term gifts, they're going to learn it from our modeling. So Yes. I I mean, I think so much of what you have said today is all about modeling to them what we want them to connect and do back to us, right? And whether that is using language that's about, you know, how they are expressing their emotions or how we are expressing our emotions, how we talk to each other as a family, how we get through the day. I mean, all of those things, those are, they're such basic and such important tools. And I love the way that you have given us a few tools to, to work that in, like fam, a family meeting. I love that. I mean, le- literally, whether it's like, hmm, what was going well? You, you had a great big poopy diaper. I mean, like, it can be everything, right? It's all yeah. of those things are. And, so, and when you have that framework when they're babies mm-hmm. and when they're little, like then it's just automatic when you really, I mean, I'm telling you now with the nine and six, like it's amazing that we've had this framework and this practice because now it just runs so smoothly, yes. you know, to have those kinds of meetings and routines. My friend was over last night and she was like, what are your kids doing? My kids were making their lunch, the kindergarten, third grade. She was like, how long have you been making your lunch? And I was like, since I was in kindergarten. You know, when you seen as toddlers making their snack and doing little things and having them involved, then it just organically grows up. And I love when you said that, you know, even just like how we, why do we talk about feelings? And like, now we know in brain science that it actually changes that amygdala part of the brain. It makes the brain feel safer. And so you're right. Like just being able to say, you know, yeah, you feel scared or you're tired right now, or you're feeling hungry, like giving them that kind of vocabulary It's so simple, like you said, but when we have that understanding of the why, Mm -hmm. it helps reinforce it for us as parents that, you know, what we're doing is important and also what we're doing intuitively. Like, I think that part, so many parents, we're we're doing this stuff. I don't need to say it. It's like, you're doing this intuitively and and naturally. And just now, you know how it's really going to help even more. So keep doing it. Exactly. And I think, I mean, a lot of people think, well, oh gosh, well, isn't that already intuitive? I've had a few friends say things like, well, I already do that. I, I already know that. Well, exactly. Like, and now when you have the information about the brain science and about the developmental research and why to do it, then it does, it, it incentivizes you to do it more and to get into that habit, I think. And, so to, and to tell your, teach your kids about it. So yes. I'm able to say to my kiddos when they're like, I, but I want, I say, oh, I know that it's hard and it grows your brain when you wait. So you got this. Right. That's great. <laughs> I'm so going to use that today. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Julieta, can you share a few of your favorite resources for families who'd like to learn more, start practicing some of these things? Yeah. So I'm actually going to share just a couple of like 
out-of-the-box resources, too, that I think, so that your listeners can round out already yeah. what you've offered. I mean, you offer such amazing, you know, you're that you're a hub. <laughs> um, so one is a great resource that I've used for years as a psychologist, and it's a blog by a school counselor um, on the East Coast, and it's called Books That Heal. Mm. And I just think books are such a powerful way to teach kids, and, you know, we start reading to them from the beginning as well. And so whenever there's a topic that comes up for you or just like when you're going to fill out your birthday list to give to grandma, you know, she has a list by topic. So you could just even type in divorce or feelings or friendship or Gosh. grief and loss. It's just a wonderful resource and it's targeted towards those very early years. So the early childhood years, early toddlers through early elementary. So Fantastic. I definitely recommend books that heal. I just think books are a huge way to teach anything and everything. Agreed. Another resource is um, the Joyful Courage podcast. There's in terms of the principles that we've talked to today, just having another forum for hearing lots of different, like you talked about all the different positive parenting styles. There's so many different names out there and wonderful, you know, people. And for me, it's just nice because I'm so busy. It's a chance, like if I'm walking to go pick up my kids from school or driving in the car to get to a client that I can just hear a little, a little sound bite. So I don't feel bogged down by, you know, a ton of books either. So Mm -hmm. I think that's been, I think that's another, just a resource in terms of that, the positive discipline parenting style. And then the last is I would say, you know, our online series that is focused on toddlers, we take all of these principles and hone in on just that those five minutes of a video that takes my two hour class and condenses it into this concept. And then we've got handouts and content and downloads and um, action plans that go with it only if you wanted to go more. So I think in terms Mm -hmm. of a resource that could help go deeper into things like you were saying with family meetings and with routines and um, connection before correction, understanding the growth mindset, encouragement versus praise. That's our online series. So yeah. we've had great feedback so far. Fantastic. Yeah. And I love, I love it. From what I've seen, it is just incredible. So yeah. everyone should go check that out. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Julieta. And thank you for coming. And thanks to all of our community lab members who are here listening live. We are going to continue the discussion and open up for a Q&A session. I see we already have one or two questions in the chat for you guys in just a minute. But for everyone listening from home or from on the go, thanks so much for joining us. And we will see you next time. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye, bigger kids. Goodbye, all the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye, I added. Goodbye, Julietta. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts being here together. Thanks so much, everyone. The Strength in Words podcast brings you information, tips, and resources about all things early parenthood and early childhood. The place to synthesize that information, share your struggles and concerns, and add your own ideas and experiences is the Strength in Words community lab. Head to community.strengthinwords.com and request to join today. Do you like the hello and goodbye songs we feature on each episode? You can find those and a whole host of other songs on our Strength in Words Music for Families album, available for purchase straight from my website at strengthinwords.com backslash music for families or on iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Digital Music. 
If you haven't yet done so, please do leave a review of the Strength and Words podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. That helps other people find the good work we're doing. And after you've done that, go ahead and share Strength and Words with a friend or colleague. See you next time.